Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Farah Nas of Fading Nemesis, and you're listening to the Brutally Delicious Podcast. Hi guys. Hey, thanks for joining <laughs> us. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. So where are you located today? You're, uh, I you're am of- in the Sonoran Desert. I'm in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because I know I'm, I know I was looking at the bio and you've kind of been all over the place, right? Texas, Pakistan. The only place okay. I've been to is Mars yet. We're, we're making our way there. <laughs> I want to be the first, first rock and roll. Uh, concert on mars <laughs> yeah i've been I, all over the place so we can just jump right in if you want and Let's i know dark was already mentioning uh richmond north of richmond how did you decide to uh to cover that song uh you know uh, uh the, the thing is that song i didn't even know existed till my parents called me and said there's this guy named oliver anthony and we've seen him have you heard of him uh because he was on an interview he's he was everywhere so yeah. I remember uh, listening to the song and it absolutely touching me, even though it's not my genre, it's not my style, but there was something very real about the way he was performing the song and how he was singing it as the author of the, of the track. And for me, it felt like a song that was so translate translatable to any, um, any sense of exhaustion or conflict happening in my life personally. So we thought, okay, it it has absolutely touched the hearts of millions and millions and millions of people. Why don't we capitalize on that and and see how would I translate that song if it was mine? What has been the response to it so far? Great. So far, I mean, again, we just released it. So uh, right now we're getting... I mean, it, it's it's done well with people. I think a lot of people have the one comment that keeps coming to me is we would have never listened to the song till we knew it was a heavier version of it. And it costs <laughs> listen to that and then go back to listen to Oliver Anthony's. So it's interesting. Um, it's getting people who aren't in the genre who would never take the time to listen to it are listening right. to it. So so I gotta be fair. I'm one of those guys who probably should have given it a chance, but I have never even heard the song except what? Your- I've never, you know, I live under a rock. I'm just kind of, you live in Richmond. I do live in Richmond, which is. You live in Richmond. Oh, you must, you must. Okay. You have to make a promise that you'll listen to that song just to listen to it. Just to say you have heard it. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know much about, I know it took over the media by storm and. If only to do a comparative study between the fading nemesis version and Oliver Anthony, you should do it. (laughs) <laughs> so let's talk about fading nemesis then is there um is there something you want your fans to walk away from after listening to a fading nemesis single record or sh- or attending one of your shows yes um i i want 
what my desire always is and always has been is that they take ownership of what, of the songs. They take ownership of Fading Nemesis, where they walk away and they feel, oh my gosh, I this is my music. This is mine to have. Because for me, as I write and as I release songs, um, they're like babies to me, right? I, they go, they're in, they're in a period of growth, and then once they're delivered into the world, my hope is that that song takes a life of its own, and it actually becomes a part of something other than me. And so, I think for me, it's really important, and it's really heartfelt, for, and like comforting for me when people say that song spoke to me. That song is in my playlist. Oh my gosh, that song was written for me. Or they walk away and they say, I felt like I really escaped my life tonight. Uh, it changed my life. So I think that's, that's really the number one thing is if I've connected with my audience. Right. So you're connecting with your audience and you're putting yourself in those songs, but did you ever feel like you're too vulnerable or you put too much shit in there and said, I, maybe I went too much or I did too much. Well, you know, or... that's, that's a matter of preference, isn't it? It's like, uh, it's like those juice drops you buy at the grocery store. How, what, how big of a squirt do you want to put in yours? Mine's a very constant. Fair enough. Thing. I have no problem being vulnerable. I doesn't mean I don't respect my privacy. I am a very private person, but vulnerability to me, it has been the case my entire life, whether I was in kindergarten or now releasing songs on a record, I have no problem being vulnerable. The reason is my number one goal is to communicate uh, a message of hope and freedom to people. Now it doesn't mean it's all happy. It means the darkness has to come out too. And in order for that to be a balanced message, I have to be vulnerable and it's dangerous. It feels dangerous. Yeah, I think, you know, yeah. message is there. And I think it definitely helps us get through music as a way of helping you get through the shitty times. And especially nowadays with all the shit we're all dealing with, I think that's, you know, it's very cathartic as well. Right. It is absolutely. And you know what, can I tell you something? I mean, we all have been there before I started writing my own songs. I know what helped me were other people's songs. When people wrote songs, it got me through moments and I have to give that back to my people, to my audience and to the world if I can. Right. Dark. Something that, um, the way you're describing your songs is like reminding me of a conversation I had like, uh, 10 or so years ago. Curious to get your take on it. Um, my old guitar teacher once said to me, he's not really a metalhead. He's like aware of the genre, but said like, you know, he's talking about like Slayer and death metal. He said, at the end of the day, it's all just a different way of expressing a broken heart. Uh, just they choose to like couch it in this, like, you know, we're talking about death or destruction or, you know, murdering people, necrophilia, whatever the hell Slayer thinks about. Um, so uh, I would say like as a teenager, um, I don't know if it would make the greatest thing, but like hearing like, hey, you know, it's okay to feel left out. Like you're not the only one. That's not a very common thing in heavier genres. I think it's often more, uh, less vulnerable, say. Um, so you you were saying you related a lot when people spoke about, uh, sorry, I, I hope I got this right. Like you related to other people's songs when they spoke of vulnerability? Yes, so here, I think, uh, yeah, absolutely I did. I think the thing is, music is, a way to describe the human condition, whether it's happiness, whether it's sorrow, whether it's anger, uh, it, it is an avenue. It's a very clear avenue. You don't have, to, it's, a, it's a universal language. So whatever you sing and say, how you say it, how you sing it, the notes you choose to you know use uh, in a progression of a verse um, can all lead to this very emotional space, whether it's happiness or whether it's sorrow or whether it's relatability or whether it's, you know, it, it's a, it's a powerful tool, you know? 
So I guess and connecting, I, sorry, Bruce. You, no, please uh, go ahead. Um, so connecting that to the song you just decided to cover. Um, by the way, I tried to listen to it last night. Spotify kept saying, cannot play this. I don't know if there's a known issue there. Well, Spotify has been, um, it was, it's been really shady on this mm-hmm. track. It didn't go on when it, it's on every other platform. Apple yeah. it's on there, but we are looking into it. Spotify mm-hmm. tends to do this every once in a while, but it's doing it with this track. So I'll double check that after we get off. Well, I, I definitely tried. Um, so the reaction to that one, like Bruce, you said you were like kind of living under a rock here. Um, I mean, it's hilarious to me in the sense that, like, I'd be curious to think, like, what you think he was talking about. Uh, I don't know if people took it as, like, a political message. Do you think it's just a guy who's, like, upset and kind of, like, letting it all out? I don't think he expected it to be a political anthem. Anthem. The thing is, when he... He actually said it himself. He goes, I had no idea this was going to be the song that would take off. He goes, I just wrote the song, never thinking thinking that this was this was going to be such an anthem for the country. When I heard it, I thought, okay, how how could I write a story mm-hmm. through a visual that would be relatable to the millions? Like, wh- who? I'm a woman. I'm a mother. Uh, what condition would I need to be in to make that song mine? And how could I, how could I translate it? And I think I translated it. I actually put myself in the place of my husband is overseas fighting um, or has died and I've got kids and I can't make ends meet. And thus the laundromat. I don't know if you saw the music video on YouTube. Uh, you may want to check out the music, totally. video, but it was the idea of creating that environment that, that, uh, spoke about the pressurized reality of life you know interesting interesting so so you changed the lyrics i'm sorry again i tried to listen I'm no the lyrics, the, oh, the lyrics oh. are the same yeah i kept the lyrics absolutely kept the lyrics nice have you heard from him <laughs> you know i reached out we i reached out to their people not yet i think he's going through a lot uh, he just had a baby there's again i think this has all happened so fast for him i mean he released the track august 9th and he had no idea this was going to do what it did so right. i think he's quite uh himself in a place of wow is this really happening so what's the plans to take fading nemesis on the road i know you said you have you have a family and stuff it's got to be tough right is that a right. thing you know, it, the thing is, that's one of the confirmations that I'm supposed to be doing what I'm doing because it, it actually works with with being able to have a family for me. Right. Uh, we actually uh, just did a couple of shows. Again, um, Queen of Blame was released in August and wanted to start testing out the music. The record is set to be released March 2024, uh, spring 2024. And we did some test shows with Peyton Parrish uh, in August and uh had a great response from an audience from the audience so now we're working on um setting up spring tour and also festivals hitting the festival circuit in 2024 so the album release happens and then um we'll be announcing uh, getting on the road really just touring this album and touring and we're already almost uh pretty much halfway done with the second album and a third one started so are you kidding you have that much stuff no, we have so much music, and then we're shooting a lot of music videos the rest of the fall and through the winter. So, so let me ask you a question then: Are these all songs that were written at once, and then you're just choosing some to put on which record, or are you writing specifically for another 
release? No. Well, the first album was very organic because the first album started with me moving back from the UK to the States and having a family tragedy. And I already had been writing. I mean, I, there's never a time I'm not writing. There's never a time I'm not writing. Now, does it mean I use every song I've written? No. Um, but this particular, this first album, the debut album was definitely a conglomeration of the process of the pain and the trauma and having to move half the way world across again. Um, and so the second album is definitely more calculated because, uh, I do, I, I did want the second album to have a certain stepping stone feeling, you know, people have heard the first album, the second one. I wanted it to go in a different direction. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But, you know, when we sit down to write, I, I can I can switch it on and we write, you know, and so, but I'm always writing. So it's, it's a matter of saying, can I throw together a breakfast in the morning? Yeah. Or am I having people over for dinner and I'm going to have a very specific thing I'm going to make. So. Do you spend the time to, or do you even think about writing a record that's different from the previous one? I mean, because you don't want to write the same songs again, Absolutely. but you can't, you can't step outside of your wheelhouse either, right? The uh, Definitely. The second album, I wanted it to go a bit more, um, less dark, but he heavier, but a little bit more mainstream. You know, I, I'm, I'm exploring, right? Still wanting, still going to fit into the genre that we're in, not leaving the wheelhouse. You can't lose your fans because you got to... No, exactly. And it is, it is what I want. We want to write. It's what I want right. to write. You know? And so, but being able to change the the tonality, changing the pace, is it going to go completely heavy for 12 songs or is it going to have, you know, so yeah, definitely. Uh, we have thought about the second record that way. And do you guys all write together or is it more the efforts of you and then? Yeah, it's me, my producer, and then Jason, who's guitar player. So I come up with the, my, my producer and I, and then, because uh, the first record, say, for instance, uh, you know, it was Larry and I started the record. So seven songs were written and then Jason came into the picture. So then Jason was part of the team, you know, songwriting team. Um, we brought in Ben of Nothing More, drummer for Nothing More. Uh, he played on the first record. Uh, then after the record finished, that's when we got Chris and Kyle as bass and uh, drummer. Uh, so the next record, we brought in Dusty Bowles, who's uh, an amazing, amazing songwriter. Uh, he is part of the team, songwriting team. Okay. So we bring a lot of different features, but it's not your traditional, let's get together in the rehearsal studio and jam. It's not a jamming. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. It's more electronic and transferring things back and forth. It's more really bringing out the best, like Jason, incredible guitar player. I want, I want to have him sit down with Larry and go, okay, these are the riffs. This is what I like. We're going to do this. And then melodically, then I sit in the back and go, okay, yeah, take, can that go a little bit darker? Oh, that's fantastic. I can hear five melodies. 
uh, on top of that. So it's, it's more organic that way. I want to make sure that the talents of every person are coming out and they're feeling like they're able to express themselves. Nice. Yeah. Dark. I'm kind of curious hearing like, you sound like I think I'm detecting like optimism in the sense of like you keep writing and you expect to do, um, you know, you're planning on touring next year. I didn't mean expect in a bad way. And but you're always writing and you have plans for future albums. And most of the people we talk to say like touring t these days sucks. Um, right. And like maybe we'll release some singles because it's too expensive to do albums. Like th right. this is our. Oh, this that's a great point. Okay. So the question is, why are you so damn optimistic right now? Yeah. <laughs> is that the question? <laughs> yeah. Or just talk like about it. why you are. Yeah. <laughs> why I am. Um, you know what? Uh, I'm a very, I'm an extremely uh, realistic. I'm realistically optimistic. Does that make sense? Sure. I do believe that the power of music is in my hands I think too often bands have relied on record labels, have relied on promoters, have relied on the team in order not to do the work they can do themselves. I'm very old school in the sense that if I want people to show up at a show, I'm going to go have meet and greets and hand out flyers and I'm going to sell the tickets myself. Now, does that mean that I'm going to continue to do that if I have a show with 500,000 people or 10,000 people? Well, yeah, probably. Cause that's in my nature. I'm a very organic and very tactile human being. And I, I will always be the person that will take the time uh, to do, to do things that way. Uh, humans respond. If you, if, you know, we had a meet and greet about five weeks ago at a Gothic clothing store. Oh my gosh. We sold so many tickets to a show that got canceled uh, because uh, postponed yeah. because we were touring with Saving Able. They postponed their tour, mm -hmm. but it was so incredible. People actually spent time with us. We sat and it, it was so. I am optimistic. Humans do respond to human touch and human time, you know. And so, in that sense, yeah, I am optimistic that when I'm out there with the audience, when I'm on stage, I will make eye to eye contact. I will have meet and greets. When we were with Peyton Parrish, the shows we did, our meet and greets were four hours each. We did House of Blues in um, Houston and we played the Echo Lounge in Dallas. And there were about 1,000, 1,100 people at the shows. Mm -hmm. We spent four hours after our set, four and a half hours in at the House of Blues, just meeting people. Wow. Well, yeah, people just forget it is about the human touch. And yeah. our our increase in Spotify and YouTube watching it happened. It's not just by chance, you know, you, you we've lost, we can't lose the human touch. Right. That's beautiful and super organic. Yeah. When you said meet and greet, I was thinking like, I mean, going like, you know, really big league here, kiss charges like $5,000 to get like 10 seconds in a photo. You mean like you're <laughs> actually just being a good human with your fans and like, saying, exactly. Oh, wow. Exactly. <laughs> There's a joke here, like $5,000 for 90 seconds. Like, you know, <laughs> the, the last two times I was in Vegas, maybe, but um, like <laughs> that, that, that's, that's great. I mean, so that, that human element, like, 
Do you, did you pick, is that just you? Did you grab that from other artists you admired? Oh, it's just very much me. Yeah. I, 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 it's very important to me. Like if I have a team, I can't just keep doing phone meetings. Like I have, I have a whole team. I, my branding manager lives in California. I've got Dusty who lives in Colorado. If we don't have time together face to face where I, we are breaking bread together. We're drinking together. We're ha- making tea together. I, I'm very much a face to face tactile person. Um, mm-hmm. And I've always been that way. And technology doesn't seem to be taking that away from me, which is good, I think, because it yeah. Because real. I think a lot of people let the technology take a lot of that away. Yeah, absolutely. Or charge a bundle of money, like uh, Dark just said. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I get it tough on the road, but. And my I, hope is, and I know I'll stay true to this, because I'm doing everything in my power to keep it about my audience and about the connection with my audience that no matter how big this grows that i will stay true to what i have made a decision to do and i i love doing it because you get back from that that process too when it's you don't even i mean it feels amazing when someone comes up to you and they shake your hand and they go you know that song it's actually carried me through the last month i wouldn't know what to do um yesterday someone just told me that uh, the songs that the singles we've released have been a staple of their lives because they're fighting stage four cancer and they wouldn't know what to do without the songs. You know, that matters. That means something, you know, right. mm-hmm. counts. Do you feel a sort of uh, responsibility then to your fans? Absolutely. It is what drives me. It is my role. It is my responsibility. It's my privilege. It's my honor, but it's also my responsibility. Absolutely. Right. All right. Dark, what else you got? I guess just, um, I mean, take this any way you want. Like, you have that, like, hugely, like, personal touch. You're willing to, like, meet everybody. Um, You're also a woman in a male-dominated genre, generally. Does that ever get weird with the meet and greets? Like, You know, it does. I always have security. At first, when I first, first started, I I didn't quite know what to do with it. But it doesn't phase me because I'm pretty ballsy. I can, nice. I'm pretty like, you know, I, I can, I can make a guy feel I, I can put in their place pretty quickly. Cause I know <laughs> right. my boundaries and I also know my, my strength and I'm confident, um, in the sense that I know that, uh, I know my, I know, I know myself, but I've, I just have security around me at all times. And so mm-hmm. if I give a cue that I'm not feeling safe or I'm not feeling good, then immediately there's a, there's a cue. Like when we were out with Peyton, um, in August, it, it happened a couple of times, but I've got, I, all I had to do is just look and, and the guys will come in. And so I just have some precautions set up. So, and yeah. that's just wise, you know? Yeah, absolutely. System. So is that like a, like, I don't know. I, I like to think metal fans tend to be like, yeah, more accepting and kind than people. They like, are. Yeah. They are. They are definitely so. I mean, I think if I was in a different genre, I think my worries would be different. I mean, mm-hmm. like with Peyton, the the two sh- the, the shows that we did with Peyton, so many Vikings. Oh my gosh, so many Vikings at the shows, and they were the most incredible human beings, women and men and mm-hmm. children. I mean, it's like a whole, you know, tribes from Norway coming into the show. <laughs> it was brilliant. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Nice. Usually very- Sorry. People are usually kinder than you think. Oh you know? yeah, I agree. especially I, I think, like Dark said, in the the heavier music world, the heavier sure. genres, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. and that's going to bring me to the end of my questions. Then, um, I guess if fans want to find you, can you give us all your socials and that sort of thing? 
go to uh, our website, uh, fadingnemesisofficial.com on Instagram, Facebook, just look up fading nemesis. It's very simple. Uh, follow us. Uh, all of the announcements for the shows coming up and the album drop in 2024 will be on there. Go to YouTube. We are putting out shorts and releasing music videos regularly, like subscribe. And honestly, we couldn't do any of this without our audience. So um, you can find us pretty much on all streaming platforms. Awesome. Thank you yeah. so much for everything. That was a great conversation. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Seriously. I, yeah. And go well, check out that Oliver Anthony video. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> I feel okay. like I'm the, the last one in the world that hasn't heard <laughs> it. Dark, but... You go check it out on YouTube too. Our fading. Oh, I want to. So. Okay. All right. Thank you guys so thank much. Thank you so much. Okay, thank All you. Right. All right. Bye. Bye. Hey, this is Aaron from No Simple Road. I'm inviting you to come hang out with Apple, Mel, and I as we talk with the musicians, artists, chefs authors and beyond from the world that turns us on we're reaching into the improvisational music scene the psychedelic culture the festival world and getting to know what makes the people tick that create those scenes come join us on the long strange trip over at no simple road